0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Finding Home Podcast, where as you know I say, home is more than just the sticks and the bricks that you live in. My name is Keith, I'm your host. We're going to get straight to it. Uh, this is a fairly long interview, I had a really great time. Of course, it's an old friend, so you get a lot of dumb inside jokes, how to edit out. And also, you're going to hear me talk about editing things out a lot. In one case even, I'll say, I'm going to edit out myself sounding stupid. And I most certainly did edit myself sounding stupid. So today I'm talking to Kevin Ernst. He works in product management for Lenovo. And we discussed his Utah story. We discussed what he does in his job, which is fairly hard to describe. But also we discussed this phenomenon going on in Utah with the tech industry and the idea of Silicon Slopes. And as you'll find, I think that Silicon Slopes was a really stupid name. So, without any further delay, let's get to the interview. The one thing that, like, when people say they record themselves and they don't like it, what you hear when you speak has a lot to do with the bone conduction in your head. Right. And so, your voice always sounds deeper and, like, more authoritative to yourself. And then when you hear playback, it always is, is lacking that resonance. Yeah. And that's what I think most people don't like is because they're like, no, I sound like a badass in my head when I get all worked up. (laughs) And then you hear yourself like, record it all worked up, and you sound like Alvin. (laughs) Anyhow, thanks for being on the podcast. I'm happy that you're here. Oh, thank you Um, for having me, I'm going to put on my podcast host hat now. It's, it's like I often say, pretty soon I'm going to have to start interviewing people that I don't know personally, and that's going to get weird for me. But well, I just, I've I, already
1: heard from everybody you've interviewed, and <laughs> I know that you make everybody cry. So Oh, well, yeah. That, but for, for, for all the wrong reasons. That, that is this show, right? You're gonna make- <laughs> yeah, that's
0: this one. That's what's okay. right. <laughs> Tell me about your dad, Kevin. Um, Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, that, the thing I say in, in most of my episodes at this juncture is I, just, I feel like I know all the best people. Um, Through my life, I've been fortunate to just have different exposure to all sorts of different kinds of people. Even in the times of my life when I was very conformist in in the way that I lived my life, I just have always had exposure to people who...
1: You were a conformist? I know, right? No, I I don't buy that. You should.
0: You should have seen me as a Mormon missionary. It was insanity. (laughs) But there's always been people in my life, and, and I mean, I've known you for as long as I've known anybody. We've known each other since, I'd say, kindergarten. Yeah. Were you in Miss Spuck's class? Yeah. Say, so it's kindergarten. But I just know fantastic people who are willing to come on the podcast so far and talk about what it is that they do. And it's it's been really fantastic so far. I've been kind of overwhelmed that people are actually listening to this thing. Not just people I know, but people that I don't know, uh, because... Apparently, I've got a face for radio, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, and I'm I'm excited to talk about what what I want to talk about with you. You had mentioned a story where. There was a friend of yours that said, are you sure, are you, sure you picked the right guy? And in, based on our pre-conversation, I'm, I'm fairly certain I did. So t- today I'm talking to Kevin Ernst. He's a good friend
1: of mine. Tell us who you are and what you do, and then we're going to get into your wow, Utah. I'm kind of like a mixed bag, and I confuse the hell out of people when I go <laughs> in, um, interview anywhere because um, I, 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 apparently I like have the worst of both worlds. Um <laughs> So, I do a little bit of product management and uh, user experience design. So, oh, um, now
0: it is called UX now, isn't it? It is called UX. Uh,
1: And you
0: know, I'm going to edit out me sounding ignorant. No, yeah. Now that I've said this, I probably won't. So,
1: no, I mean, ignorance is what sells because, yeah, we won't get it. (laughs) But, um, no, so user experience design. I I think one of the questions I was asked, um, I interviewed at Dell, and Russ, if you're listening to this, you're going to hear that you drove me crazy with this question. But he asked me, how do you explain what you do to your mom? And she'll probably listen to this too and tell you that I work with computers. And that's about, <laughs> that's about it, right? <laughs> and uh, UX design is a hard thing to explain, even within the um, industry. And um, likewise, product management. So mm. I pick the two fields that nobody understands, but they use the words all the time. Well, and the, these are things
0: that people are dealing with all the time. When you talk about the user experience, yep. um, that's everything. Everything that people are interacting with, yeah, on their computers so, and online, that that there's a there's somebody who's designing that user experience. So, so right? there's
1: kind of two fields, right? Oh, three since we will be talking about product management. What's evolved to be user experience design, and kind of what was there before that you'll hear a lot still um, from an academia standpoint, human factors, mm-hmm. and they both. <laughs> I know someone's going to write in the comments for you, like he's wrong. <laughs> well, of but course, th- there's uh, there's a. Uh, There's debates on where it started and origins, but Human Factors really got this origin in aviation after um, World War II. And it was around, we're losing so many pilots in the war, not because they're being shot down by the enemy, but because the instrumentation was so complex that they were crashing the aircraft because they couldn't figure out how to interact, right? And Human Factors really dealt with this Ergonomics and the physical uh, interaction with machinery, mm-hmm. where user experience—it's—it's it's different, right? There's a lot of there's uh, psychology camps with uh, user experience. There's sociology camps. I come more from a sociology standpoint when I do my uh, research, but there's you can really pinpoint it. And this is probably me because, being a Disney freak, right? And <laughs> enjoying um, Disney like every good uton right but you can really pinpoint it back to walt disney in the way they did the parks right Mm -hmm. so looking up on the uh, history of the park um the park was originally they wanted to build this little spook alley on the um the disney studio lots and he wanted to have a train everything and um and it grew into something bigger and grew into them wanting to go purchase a larger piece of land and go do a park ride. As, as they're going through it, and, and this is one of those um, well-known Disney stories, but go look at, go into Google Maps, look at the aerial. What, what you saw with Disney is they would go through and they did research on how people moved and how they made choices. And if you look at aerial map of um, Disneyland and also Disney World, and they've repeated it, right, is you're going to notice the entrance into tomorrow. Land is two to three times larger than any of the other entrances, mm-hmm. and the oh, reason I can picture that right now—we were just there, right—and and the reason is is because human nature: we choose to go right more often. So everybody's going beeline trying to get towards Space, mount or space Mountain or whatever, but, but and Star Tours. It, and, yeah. But that's not why they're going. They're going because just human nature is driving that way. So that's why, if you look inside the lines too, they understand people are going to choose right over left more often. So technically, the queues on the right hand side are actually longer to support more people choosing to go that way. Where on the left, they're shorter. They may appear to be the same, but on the right side, notice they'll take a longer outside edge as, as to allow for more people to get into it, right? Uh-huh. And this had to do with user experience, right? This is what user experience is. It's, and actually let's, let's play a little game. Let's, let's go back 1997 and pretend Indiana Jones is just opening, okay? Okay. The ride. The ride. Okay. So, uh, we won't, I was going to give the quick history first time I actually ever saw Indiana Jones was at Keith Callister's house when I was a kid oh wow for, for I can't remember what birthday it was but was we stepped over and we watched Temple uh, of Doom yeah
0: I just, that, I just
1: watched that when I was that laid was, up with my that, leg that was my uh, introduction it's, to it's Indiana Jones it's not a Jones. very
0: good movie <laughs> it's no but it
1: is <laughs> but it is right it is like, the, like the, the, the thing oh we're going to get off here but
0: <laughs> the thing with Temple of Doom like you look at Temple of Doom and you look at Kingdom of the Crystal Skull right and King of the Crystal Skull is just a piece of shit. I tried to forget that. Right? But. Monkey boy. <laughs> the, the reason being that the suspension of disbelief got pushed like two steps too far. Yes. You know?
1: And in Temple of Doom. Because they could. Yeah. In Temple of Doom, they could only pushed it so far because that's, that's,
0: that's all they could do with, with effects. So th- the raft coming off the airplane. There's no way. No You're one- dead. You're dead, yep. right?
1: Terry and the still-beating heart from the chest oh of the guy. Oh, my God. A but, room, a but room full of second graders, ten, Yeah. A room full of second or third graders sitting there for a sleepover watching intensely. Best movie <laughs> ever. That's what I'm saying. But, but this kind of gets back in, even though we're going to get back to this. Yeah, game. this is fine, This gets fine. back to user experience. Mm-hmm. User experience isn't about... It, it's not about creating the perfect visual design. It's mm-hmm. not about, it is about designing for emotions, right? Mm. And uh, it's also why my career kind of split into product management because product management it controls the UX more than the UX designer does.
0: Okay.
1: Um, even though I hope most product managers out there realize that um but but uh, well, may, may, maybe if, if a product manager is listening to this they might start doing a better job now. oh no it's a ongoing uh, conversation in product <laughs> management uh, throughout the industry well, let's but, let's but back to the game. yeah okay the game and so it's easier to edit back to this so circa okay. 1997 or 98 when indiana jones opens okay you go and ride the ride what was your first experience with indiana jones the ride I was I was 22 at the time. Cool, you can remember back that far. I, I can, I can.
0: It's actually when Tia and I were engaged, and we went out to to Disneyland. It was my second time ever at Disneyland. Okay, my first time ever at Disneyland. I was in kindergarten. Okay, so I'd gone as a child, had vague memories. My my strongest memory. I actually, I've written about this in the newsletter. My strongest memory was Tom Sawyer's Island mm-hmm. and the Bottomless Pit. Okay. Because so, I'm in kindergarten so I think the bottomless pit is, is real. bottomless. And yes. I'm like, they found the one bottomless pit and they built this whole park around it. Like I thought that Disneyland existed because they found a bottomless <laughs> pit and they built the park around it, right? But I go back to, to Indiana Jones. So, so
1: Indiana Jones, what was your first experience with Indiana Jones? The it was a, it was it was
0: amazing. It was one of the best rides I'd ever ridden.
1: Yeah, but what was that for what was your first encounter with it? What did like, you what you experience first? The line. How did you get to the line? Tribal. See
0: now, I'm not, now I'm stacking on other stuff. You go, you go down from. You're in Frontierland uh-huh. or Adventureland. Adventureland. Adventure. You're in Adventureland, and you you start to go down into like the. I mean, the line is a cave with right artifacts and such. But how did and, you
1: know how to get to Adventureland? I looked at a map. Where did you get the map? At the front of the park. How did you get to, uh, to the front of the park? Uh, walked there from the hotel. From the hotel? <laughs> I followed the crowds, Why How right? did you get your tickets to get in?
0: Oh, I bought them online. They sent us to it. They, okay. We had them in our... Yeah. What made
1: you go online to buy the
0: tickets? Wanted to get a deal.
1: Okay. Why did you even want to go? Because
0: I love my children. What oh, with no, with Tia. With, oh, well, when we went then, my, my wife, Tia, she's... I, I have to, you know, of course, make that qualifier. Um, she loves Disneyland. Mm-hmm. We finally have taken our kids for their own trips like they get to guide the trip when they're three or four mm-hmm. we finally took Ruby this last year and now I'm like can we start doing something else for family vacations <laughs> and it's Utah right like what do Utahns know how to do for a family vacation what a do we a do a
1: weekend down in, in Disneyland down in Disneyland but my, my point with this is yeah. we, we did this journey right you told me it was a line I took you into Adventureland I took mm-hmm. you to the, the um, gate back to the hotel back to the internet to, uh, to right. get away today that I yeah. oh, but what was <laughs> get away today <gate. laughs> This episode is brought to you by.
0: Oh, <laughs> dude, there's, there's no
1: better place. I, I I wish there was, but oh, I know. But point being, though, with with this game, when I try to show people what user experience design is. User experience design isn't designing the ride. It's not designing the queue, and trying to fit it into a land. User experience design is understanding that users journey from the first touch point with the company Mm -hmm. and how they interact with the company and making sure that experience all the way to what I need them to do and what that goal is. Mm -hmm. That is what user experience design is. Now, what product management is… Again, everybody's going to be yelling from the rafters, he's wrong. (laughs) But um, product management and and what we do, and this is why I say it affects user experience design because it really directs the user experience designer what they need to go direct the user to do. But Mm -hmm. in in, a very simplistic um, fashion, product management's role is to go find the right product to build. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. And development's job is to go build that product correctly. User experience at a high level, more so than pushing pixels or creating workflows or anything, is to be a liaison between product management and um, and development and working together as this trinity of talent, right, Mm -hmm. to be able to understand what the customer really needs and be able to say, okay, now we understand their problem. This is how we're going to go through and and solve that problem. And that's what that aspect of design in that title is, user experience design. Mm -hmm. Design is not being an artist. Design is not making anything pretty, though Mm -hmm. it's an aspect, aesthetics are aspects. It is about solving problems. And that's what all three of that that trifecta of having those three together, the product management, uh, user experience, and development – Inherently, those three roles are problem solvers, and we solve in different way and have different uh, motivations of what pushes us forward. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so when you ask what I do, it's kind of this mixed bag, because <laughs> I've been um, at, working at Lenovo, I've been doing um, product management. Um, right now, I'm leading the user experience team and building a team, and I have positions open if anybody is looking for a user experience <laughs> design position here in the Valley, but Um, where it becomes difficult for me because user experience in product management has this gray area that crosses a lot, and it's hard. Um, But here in Utah, there's a beauty in it because everybody's heard this called Silicon Slopes. Mm -hmm. Um, And the cynic in me, Wants to say that we're trying to make ourselves bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, my, reali- oh, me too. That's part of why I want to talk to you about this. Yeah. Is- so my, my my realization with it, and I want to stay here real quick to talk about why Procter and and UX is good here in Utah. But the problem I have with it, I thought we we're making ourselves bigger, and it was a marketing ploy. Then I went down to California, Portland. Uh, 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 was it Wisconsin this week? I believe, yeah, Wisconsin. But we're Silicon Slopes down in the valley, down in LA area. Mm-hmm. It's Silicon Beach, mm-hmm. and Oregon in Portland. It's Silicon Forest, right? Everybody's trying to cash in on the Silicon, and um, the, yeah, they're just trying to, to create this this connection to Silicon, right, silicon Valley. And, and it's a it's a hey, there's more innovation happening than just Silicon Valley, and and, and that's cool. So what's good about Utah, though, and I probably about 10 years ago, because oh, hell, it's probably more than that, 15 or whatever. We don't have to go over how old we are. <laughs> but I used to say, hey, Utah's great because we get Silicon Valley wages. Well, at some point along my career, I found out what Silicon Valley salaries are actually like, right? I mean, today, you can be looking at coming out of college or even as a senior uh, developer, you could be looking at two to three hundred thousand dollars um, for a salary. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, what people are bragging about that uh, only a portion of that is base salary. The rest of that is being thrown out with paper equity, right? Mm-hmm. And just like any other paper, it can burn up really quick and not be there anymore. Yeah, especially if you if you're working with a startup, you can right. And, and that can happen here. You Utah, to but no, we're not seeing to the $300,000 compensation packages here in Utah. But it's different, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the ratio of salary to cost of living, no, but we have a good opportunity here because what we have here and please stop me if I'm rambling but I'm going to redirect you here in a second perfect. So. but what we have here is with product management and UX and then also salaries and cost of living because it's this like perfect storm that's happening hmm. is Utah has a high amount of technology talent and Large companies, like and I, I've heard this um, when I've been up at Microsoft or um, out at Facebook, and, and they're talking to us, and, and they say, yeah, we see a lot of talent there, but we can't get people to leave Utah. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is they're coming to us. Yeah. Right. But those are the big companies. So, and we already have them here, right? We we had Dell. We have a presence with Lenovo. Mm-hmm. We have um, you have a small presence with Microsoft here. You have a larger presence with Adobe. With Adobe. I mean, yeah. large companies are here. But there's also homegrown companies here as yeah. well. But what's great about that is, and we can talk later about the history of Utah and technology, but. What's great about it is you have a Silicon style here, a Silicon Valley style of building product, <laughs> and, and and there really is a difference in West Coast versus East Coast um, style. So East Coast is this, very this, this old is, school. This business. is sounding like the the, uh, uh, the, the rap the, wars. the rap the rap wars, man. Yeah. And if, if I, without, I'm going to try not sound too white and <laughs> that's Im- have a impossible. reference because I we're, said the rap wars where it's probably called something. We're, we're two of the whitest guys yo that could possibly mama.
0: even bring up the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. So, uh, at least, never mind.
1: But, <laughs> I do know people whiter than me, but yeah. not many. <laughs> but, but that's only in complexion. <laughs> but um, point being is yeah. on, on the West Coast, It's about, like I talked about before, product management goes out and we're trying to come up with product strategy where the business has a strategy, right? And we're trying to take that product strategy to meet the business strategy. And we're working with our teams to be able to go through and execute. On the East Coast, East Coast has a very 1990s type of approach. And it, it's it's one of those, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's just different. And just call, it's, call it a classic approach? Yeah, it's a classic approach of, to business, right? Uh-huh. And you have your um, companies like your Carfaxes, uh, CA, in um, large part Lenovo, right? Mm-hmm. And it's marketing and sales driven. And they're, they're trying to drive a number. And your old product managers... Um, and those on the East Coast, what they're driving for is a product manager is driving to make their stakeholders happy, marketing, sales, executives, mm-hmm. right? In your uh, Silicon Valley style, we're still trying to make our our stakeholders happy, but what we're doing is by making the customers love the products that we're building, in turn, we're making them happy. Mm-hmm. So it's a different approach to the way we do business. and when we see silicon valley and we see utah utah most utah companies are taking that approach which makes it an attractive uh, play and and to come here right and to be able to um have that silicon valley style of a company and going and building product in that manner but not necessarily having to leave the what we would probably call the comforts of the yeah
0: the the social comforts of what's it so let's Let's redirect here. So generally... <laughs> it's like hurting cats, dude, I promise. Dude, it's all good. <laughs> Something that I always like to touch on in, in the podcast is everybody I'm talking to is local for now. And I have a theory. I have a theory about people who live in Utah. And one of the, this theory is that people can end up in Utah for all sorts of reasons. Maybe we're born here. Maybe you move here for work, right? But nobody stays here accidentally people make a, a choice to be here, and there, there are certain things that keep people here. Maybe it is work, and maybe it's family, or any number of things. Like you said, there's they can't get people to leave Utah. But people don't, you know, nobody, like, I can see people who are like, well, I moved to Portland for work, and then I just stayed. Uh, I moved to San Francisco. San Francisco's such a cool town. But I moved to San Francisco for work, and I just stayed, or whatever it might be. But especially if you're non-mainstream, quote-unquote, there's got to be a reason you stay here. And so what I like people to talk about is, A, their background. Or, you know, your, So what I want you to do is basically tell your Utah story, how you ended up here, whether you were born here or what have you, where you've, I know you've been all over the world since since we grew up, since we were kids. And then I'd, I want you to talk about that and talk about what brought you back here and what yeah, keeps so you here.
1: I don't think a lot of people are going to like my answer.
0: Oh, it's, it's okay. Um, I've, had, I've had answers that are just like work, and if it wasn't work, I'd be gone.
1: So I don't know what it is. So, uh, well, so, so we, first, start with like, yeah, re, no, no, were yeah. you were you born? Were you born here? Yeah. Okay. So start there. I used to tell people I wasn't. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I wanted. to... Well, yeah. for yeah, in
0: the interest of full disclosure, like we just we discussed this in in the pre conversation. Kevin is was my my token Catholic friend through most of school. <laughs> Because I don't know that I had any other friends who were. So this is why, I, li- this is why I like about
1: Utah. It, it, right, we talk about diversity. You say, oh, we, it's diverse, but we're saying, oh, there's more religions than just one. So instead of having a token black friend, Keith had a token I had a, Catholic had friend. Out a token Catholic <laughs> because friend because friend, that's what made it diverse. That's
0: what that's what made me diverse and open minded. <laughs> so you you were born so, no, here.
1: I, th- so yeah, no, but I I th- think I kind of want to start at the end on this okay. one because no, makes by it, all means. it makes it interesting. Tell your own story, man. I don't. And again, I don't think people are going to like this answer, but uh, we refer to Utah as the black hole (laughs) because it keeps sucking you back. Um, And I think there's a certain point that you just stop trying to struggle and you just let it pull you back and you just float and relax inside of that epicenter of the black hole. But. Yeah, like you said, I've been all around the world. So full transparency. Got um, married really early. I got married early because um, no, 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 you
0: can't just say early.
1: No, uh, no. Okay, no, you'll, get, you'll there. get there. Okay, I'm I'll, I'll getting there because I have to set up the uh, the punchline. <laughs> okay, uh, even though I am the punchline, but. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I got married early because I got my girlfriend pregnant, and it's the right thing to do. And mm. I got my girlfriend pre- pregnant because I had ambitions as a uh, teenager, but nobody told me those ambitions were hormones. <laughs> and that's the punchline. And, <laughs> but no, no. Um, all seriousness, I get married at seventeen, divorced by nineteen. Surprise right uh-huh. and then i had an offer and i could go up to, and work with oregon and at the time in my mind i had this utopia built up that hey it was a great place because my dad lived there we visited on a summer vacation and all you see there is you went and you did all the fun things right mm-hmm. and um it was never the going through life and then i, we, I move up there and I had this job progress to me, and I went and worked, did some agency life for a little bit, uh, working with Ride Studio, and got to work on some great projects. And, but then that tried up really quick, and I couldn't find work, and I ended up at Walmart. And then it just turned one thing after other. Um, met my current wife. And then we went... Who and- I think is really cool, by the way. And she is really cool. I don't know why she's still with me. <laughs> she probably questions it as you, she listens to this as you've well. You've got
0: to be all right <laughs> if but she's been with you this long. Exactly. <laughs> like, you can just take heart like, I'm an okay human being <laughs> because this, this, this no wonderful person me. has hung with me. For this long, because you guys have been married for and a good a good. And she will tell
1: you it has been a ride. Mm -hmm. But it gets back to the Utah thing, right? Is we we moved to Pensacola, then we moved to Italy, and and she'll tell you that moving from the Salem area. In Oregon, and moving down to Pensacola was a bigger uh, culture shock than moving from the United States to Italy (laughs) for her, right? Because she had never been subject to the prejudiced culture down there, Uh right? And... So, but yeah, we've we've moved around, but we've always come back to Utah. And like you said, there's different reasons people come back or stay. For me, it was coming back to be um, near my eldest son and wanting to build a relationship with him. And unfortunately, I mean, we found out that um, his mother was getting married. They were moving to Idaho. And it was like, oh, we're free and we don't have to be here. So, we <laughs> took off. Mm-hmm. And we went back up to Oregon. That's where yeah, uh, Wendy's yeah. family's at, and I had family there. And a lot of it, we just love the culture of Portland.
0: That's when you moved from Eagle Mountain, right? Yep. Yeah. We moved yeah.
1: From Eagle Mountain, and then we got there. And I, and I was working with Semantic at the time, and went up there, and was working. I went and worked for another company and a little startup, and they um, laid me off. I reached out to a few people in Semantic, brought me back on, and I worked out of the Beaverton office. And as we were going th- through, um, honestly, we were starting to miss Utah. I, a lot of it was the stability, and I loved working at Semantic. It was a great place to work. Hmm. I've heard different stories since then, but it, it was a great place to work. We talked to him. The product I was working on supporting, uh, um, I was supporting a new product, and it was all building up out of Utah. I was like, well, let's go back to Utah. It's more stable. Mm-hmm. Because, honestly, at the time, we were living in Oregon. This is right after the big housing collapse. Mm-hmm. And what people in Utah didn't see are these shanty towns, right? I mean, people here were maybe having to go lose their house or short sell it and then go rent or something, mm-hmm. right? But the the economy was still strong enough here that people had their jobs. In Oregon... I mean, people of our same caliber were living in tents inside of Portland, and or these little shacks that the city was putting up. And it was this dark side that the media didn't show enough it, of. Yeah, right. And well, that—that's part, like, especially
0: here in Utah, like, that oftentimes we refer to the, the bubble, right? And it's more than just like, oh, look at us and how happy we are, right? Like, I, I've had clients who moved who moved here from like Chicago, and they they come and they meet with me for the first time. I'm like, okay, well, we just want to make sure we're in a safe area. And I say, well, define safe area. Then they say, well, by our last house, the McDonald's drive-thru had bulletproof glass. Right. Do you have any areas where that doesn't happen? And I said, I don't know that there's a McDonald's in Salt Lake <laughs> exactly. County that has bullet... You know, you've got the last two streets in Magno where all the meth houses are. And that's as bad as it gets around here. There's weird little pockets that feel weird, but for somebody coming from a, pl- a place like like Chicago there really are no bad neighborhoods in, in Salt Lake County or Utah County
1: right Oh, well, and and the you know
0: and and so i mean we we're just kind of sheltered from a lot of that thing and part of it is that we don't have homeless services anywhere right you know and don't go, well, don't,
1: don't even get me started on that well but, and again Utah thinks we have a bad homeless problem uh-huh. and we do have a problem go to portland go to and that's that's exactly go to it. seattle go to san francisco Right, mm-hmm. uh, or probably even more um, appropriate, go down to Arizona or um, California where it's warm all the anywhere time. where it's warm. Exactly. So, uh, and I'm not trying to say that. Hey, ignore the problem here because we can fix things and make things better, right? Oh. We can always iterate and make things better. But ah, buzzword. Oh, did I throw that in there? You did. I, it's all right. I have to. And now we're going to pivot and. <laughs> And then circle back to... No, but uh-huh. uh, all seriousness, though. So coming back to Utah was a conscious decision of wanting to be in a strong area that had a lot to offer. I, I'm, fr- I'm always afraid of losing my job just because I get comfortable and mm-hmm. I like where I'm at, but I'm never in fear of going having to go find a job because they're out there, right? Well, yeah, because well, you, have, you have a skill set that's... Especially here is in demand. Very high demand here. Mm-hmm. So... I might not be excited because I'm not going to go work on uh, at SpaceX and try to land someone on Mars, right? Because everything we're doing here is not necessarily that inspirational, (laughs) but we're doing great things and we have great um, technology leaders here and and we're pushing for some good things. When it comes to the quality of life. Even though we miss the ocean, we miss a lot about the Northwest, right? And so, some something we want to be up in the Northwest because it was a certain family we wanted to be in there. But honestly, it was a culture that I, I grew to love, and uh, Wendy just grew up knowing that culture. Mm-hmm. But coming back here, as Wendy will point out, you know she's lived in Utah longer than she has anywhere else in her adult life, and, and this has become home now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, someone coming from out of state, the things that you have to be aware of is that it's hard to make friends here. Um, I, I have the built-in network for growing up here, but um, someone like uh, Wendy and she tries and tries and tries. You know, she has about ten people, and a lot of that's life. But mm-hmm. she has ten good friends. We were talking about this last night, but. You moved up to she moved up to Oregon and met a lot of new friends outside of her network of ground, because we we're in Portland not Salem mm-hmm. and it it's it wasn't it's not as cliquish as Utah is and to break into that social barrier so well, you guys just need to have not
0: moved down into Utah county because at well, least at least well, on a, I, I at least like on a monthly you- basis we say you know we'd probably hang out with Kevin and Wendy a whole lot more <laughs>
1: Because we never really have. It's just the part of you guys having to go through the guilt cloud and it, slows- <laughs> it makes everybody think twice, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, coming back here, and, and as we've gotten older in life, this is a great place to raise kids, it was, and it's, mm. it's stable. Even, even as I look to go take risks and, and get excited about a lot of the startups out here, there's a, st- a stability and safety net of if that fails, there's such a high demand for us to go into something else uh-huh. you you have plenty of options again with your particular
0: skill set especially
1: yeah that's cool. Yeah, um, you probably have listeners though, because I, I, I'll probably ta- I have a different view of the tech um, industry because I'm not going to be talking about yeah we use Angular, we use this and talking about tech stacks. I talk a lot more about culture and well, that, that and, and that's that's more interesting, I think. To well, people. Uh, but it's an interesting thing of why large companies have a t- hard time coming Utah, and Utahns need to understand this right, is that there's a hesitation for these large companies to come in. Um, and this is, this story is going to all be all um, hearsay uh, from talking to people that have, uh, work in um, Utah County for Microsoft. But Microsoft had a hard time and still has a hard time here in Utah because their culture doesn't match the Utah culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's some here that say, well, well, then get out. Right? I think here in Utah, that percentage can tend
0: to be a little bit larger. Like, if you can't exist inside our culture, why are you here?
1: So Utah has two cultures going against it. And one's actually, I think, starting to die out. And this goes back to that East Coast versus West Coast um, style of um, develop, of building product. Um, but Utah, the product was the technology. Mm. So you've got Novell, right? Mm-hmm. You've got Work Perfect mm-hmm. and Corral. And the problem with those companies, and... Again, this is going to be a point where everybody yells in the comments, but they were really about the technologies, and they built great technologies, and in a lot of ways, were superior to what Microsoft had. Oh, yeah. Right?
0: Word, Word perfect was a...
1: But idea. the problem, yeah. the problem was, these companies didn't know how to productize. Mm-hmm. They made it too much about the... But they made it so much about the technology, where Microsoft made the technology good enough, but they made it about the product, right? Mm-hmm. And we won't say that they had the best user experience because we can't. They can, obviously you know, don't. But they knew how to productize, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's not about marketing. It's about being a good product manager and, and bringing the right product to market. And that's part of the culture problem that they had at uh, down in Microsoft Lehigh mm-hmm. is that Again, this is all hearsay. Um, I did not work for Microsoft down, down there, but talking to those, the had and, and left and, and saw the problems. But you brought, they brought in a lot of great technologists from Novell, very smart individuals, probably some of the smartest in the Valley. But they saw the productization of a product as poison right it got in the way of building good technology and microsoft they, they really came in and started butting heads around this right and one of my good friends had a hard time there because he um worked on the front end and that's his job to productize and make it easier for the user and he went from being one a rock star at semantic and then going um down to uh, microsoft and just really getting beat up down there because these technologies like no you're getting in our way. We just need to go build the technology better. The technology is great. But one of the, my favorite quips from Amartya Kagan is he talks about back in the 80s, they um, were building this great product and they got all these great reviews in the, the journal and um, USA Today was even talking about how oh, uh, this um, piece that uh, they were building at Hewlett Packard was amazing and came down, down to it. They shipped and they sold zero And the reason was is because they went out to build technology for technology's sake and they weren't solving real problems for someone to buy. And that's kind of what happened at Novell is that they were building great technology as amongst them they were talking about these things. And then you bring that into Microsoft and Microsoft's like, what the hell are you guys doing? right? I'm I'm sure that's normalized now, but the other thing that they ran into when Microsoft coming in was Microsoft is a Northwest company and every Friday they had beer and ice cream. (laughs) And and, and that's just a culture that doesn't necessarily mix with the Utah culture, right? Mm -hmm. So as these new companies come in, and and you're seeing it more with Salt Lake Valley here um, becoming more diverse because people coming in out of state to work for these tech companies and they're coming in, we're buying more, we're driving prices up on housing. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, But uh, what... What happens is we have to learn, if if we want big business to come in and come build up Utah, we have to be accepting of those cultures. Luckily, though, like I said earlier, I think that culture of technology over product is going away because one of the driving forces of the technology industry is University of Utah and BYU, and I had to list the U first because it's the more superior school. <coughs> but... They are creating a a community of um, very highly skilled entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And these entrepreneurs are, you know, they're driving from a tech standpoint, but they're also driving business, right, and having to go out and, and... Go through this process of a process of doing product, or they're not going to be in business anymore. So, mm-hmm. the product um, culture of Utah is becoming really strong, and it's actually a really good thing, especially for the startup market. And we're starting to get more money now. You've got Sorenson, mm-hmm. uh, Sorenson Capital just created a uh, incubator arm where they can start funding because uh, usually they don't fund uh, startups until um, a, a series C or even series B. Yeah. Where um, with this this newer arm they're actually able to go in and give early seed money so utah's becoming ripe uh, with that and that's what those type of ventures that can be funded that way uh, help thrive the economy and especially let me
0: let me let me me, me. yeah yeah yeah, sorry Sorry. it's cool i just i could just listen to you talk i will that's the problem but i but i had a i had a thought when you were discussing the product versus tech Mm -hmm. situation it, it really made me think of something i mean we're both musicians of some sort or another. We're both hacks. I it, make noise. Yes. Uh-huh, that's, that's how I feel about the, the music I make as well. Even though the, the bumper music that I use for the podcast <laughs> is one of my bands. This is a, it's a song I wrote. It's called A uh, Proud Parent of an Honor Student. It makes me think of that same disconnect between like serious music and um, commercial top, music. top 40. Right. Right. It's you know, you sold out. You can, you can look at something that's top 40. You can look at something that's popular. You can look at something that broke into the mainstream. And, and you can look at exactly how it was designed and put together. You can look at so the last Taylor Swift record, like 1980, 1989. She's young. Um <laughs> You can look at that record, and from a songwriting perspective, and from a production perspective, that's a perfect record. Right. I'm no Taylor Swift fanboy, you know, but that record is amazing. So, As evidenced by the fact that Ryan Adams went and covered that record, and it's still an amazing record. So th- this is where you have... And, and well, sorry, let me turn okay. and finish, finish my point real quick. Um, no, this is that not me. That versus somebody who who's, like, uh, really into, a, uh, like, prog rock. Mm-hmm. You know, which to me are, are like really, really intense metal, which people might disagree with me. I think like metal, like the really intense metal, is the equivalent of classical music today because of the skill necessary to write and produce and create that because they're, they're doing... Can metal today be a top 40, though? No. And I, like, I'm, I'm talking about metal that most people find unlistenable. Okay. Like, I'm talking about, like, the Norwegian death metal, like the right, stuff that right, Metalocalypse right. makes fun of, right? Okay. Like, that stuff is so, is performed by virtuosos. Mm-hmm. Whereas Top 40, or even, like, but, you look at your, your... But, your but pop, to your point. So yeah, like, to your, but that's that's the difference, right? Like, you've got this, this amazing musicianship that's unlistenable to the majority of people. And then you have Taylor Swift, which is the, it's, you know, it's pop music. There's a great podcast I listen to called Switched on Pop, where they, like, dissect pop songs. Mm-hmm. And they're they all are doing the same sorts of things, but it's creating back this. It's creating a user experience, right? You know, in music's case, a listener experience. Well,
1: and that's a lot of what we talk about in product today, right? Is and and, you know, you called me out on it before of uh, buzzwords because it's okay. Use all the buzzwords. Well, uh, God, software has more buzzwords and. Mm-hmm. acronyms than any other industry. And I was in the military and we have more acronyms in the military. <laughs> it's a lot of what we talk about, right? You need your product market fit and you find that product market fit. Mm-hmm. And it's about what we talked about earlier of solving problems. And mm-hmm. they'll, they'll talk about your MVP and every, and, and everybody has their opinion on M- MVP and there's books on MVP, but so talk, lot, talk to me about MVP. Oh, MVP. Sorry. So your MVP is minimal viable product. And then the, and what most product managers forget is that word viable. Right, and You hear minimal viable product, and it's been misconstrued into, I just need to get this, the smallest thing possible that I can uh, put out the market. So I say, shipped, right? Mm-hmm. But the viable piece is, did it f- actually bring value into the market? Mm. And um, even before understanding your MVP, what is my market? What is that segment? Um, I talk about a lot I do a lot of talking as you noticed, but I talk a lot about the stages of a product that we go through. Your first stage is ideation. You're going to go through that ideation. Mm -hmm. And then, but, and I usually forget that because, and and don't talk about it because that's just, it happens in so many different ways. It's hard to say what's the right way to come up with an idea, right? But from there, you have your build stage. And then from building it, you really have to go in and nail it. And that's why a lot of people forget, right? They think, as I build it, I'm nailing it at the same time. But no, I build it. That's the MVP. Well, you talk
0: about iteration. That's, yeah. that's that situation. Well,
1: and that's, it. actually isn't a, a butter's word. It's our life. We uh-huh, Yeah, because right, you're consistently. In this loop. But I, we build it. And, and then the next stage is really go nail it right mm-hmm. and as we nail it you have to find that that product market fit and be able to drive it to a um, niche market a great example with that is are you familiar with um, vmware vmware pretend you are because i have a great story about sure it. okay uh, <laughs> cool so <laughs> vmware comes out onto the market right what is today is this large um behemoth of a product and does a lot of different things. But when it started, what it would do is... uh, A VM is a virtual machine. So Mm -hmm. it's been... I can... It's like, it's like almost the uh, digital version or tech version of a Shakespeare play, right? A play within a play. Mm-hmm. It is a um, computer system virtualized on a computer system. Oh. So, but when they came out, they found their niche market. And it's so niche that they said, we're going to market and drive this for QA professionals, testers, right? People mm-hmm. who test the software and a- automate the software. Yeah, it's QA being quality assurance? Correct. Okay. So uh, they drive that. And once they nail that, they go through and they say, okay, we've got this right for QA. Then they move into the next portion of a product's lifecycle is scaling it. And now that they had it right for there, they can go find all these other markets. And that's where most products go wrong. Is they want to go say, well, I want this to be for everyone. Right? And it's going to get there. And, and you have to understand your long game. Yeah, we can get there. But you have to build it and understand that. A market, and then nail it for a market. Because once you can get it right there, it's easier now as a business, as a strategy. Okay, let's take this and from QA, let's go into the full software industry. From software, let's go into IT and and building it to become what it is today. Right. So you have nail it, or sorry, build it, nail it, then we scale it. Okay, and then from scale it, you milk it, milk it for all it's worth, and get into every vertical we can, and to get money out of it. Right. Because because one day. it's going to become obsolete it's going to become obsolete we're going to we're going to solve the problem in a new way mm-hmm. uh, so but and and then at some point you have to go through the end of life and Uh, everybody struggles in that first um, portion of finding that product market fit and trying to solve problems for that, right? And and even Silicon Valley is known for being, is notorious for going through and just building software because we can. Well,
0: it's that idea of startup culture to me, you know, and I I listen to podcasts and read books about startups, and and I try to approach my business from from that same sort of perspective. But people want to skip that, that initial stuff. Yeah. They want to go straight to, and here's my product that changes the world without yeah. having built something that actually
1: a- a does good, something. A
0: good product doesn't have to
1: change the world.
0: A no. good product solves a problem. Well, and, that, and, but that, and, that, and that's the difference. Like you look at, people think, oh, I want to do, like with, especially using the Uber of, like, I just think it's such a stupid thing to say. Because what Uber did was they connected drivers with passengers. Yeah. That, that didn't change the world, but it changed the world.
1: It did, and, you know what I mean? And, and that's it the, changed me getting home
0: from the airport after a long flight.
1: I can tell you that much. And so <laughs> that's that's why I love to challenge everybody in the state. Is that we start looking in some aspects? I mean, that's what the state is doing, right? A lot of these startups is there's a lot of startups going out and solving a problem. There's a lot of startups here that aren't, right? But that's <laughs> going to be anywhere. It's not a Utah thing. But I, the cynic in me always says we're not doing anything inspirational in Utah, and that's another point where you're going a lot of comments. And I like to say, you know, when I'm in my bitch sessions that, am I allowed? I guess podcast, yeah, it's podcast, it's not like we're on network TV. But, no, um, you're so, you're in these... Avoid the F-bomb and we'll we'll avoid the explicit tag. Now, now I'm going back and thinking, Daddy drop it? Anyway. I don't know. Uh, if you
0: did, I'll catch it.
1: But um, what I'm trying to get to with Utah Yeah, is that I may be a cynic, I may get my bitch sessions that we're not doing anything inspirational, but... We're solving problems, and some of the problems we solve, even though they might not be interesting to me, we're solving small problems. We're solving big problems. And well, as the, 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 long you're, as we're building... You're solving, you're solving problems for actual people. Exactly. And everybody has different problems. Right? It, it, it might seem... For some, it may seem superficial, right? Um, something like if you're doing the next set, Snapchat or something. Uh-huh. But there's a, if you can find a problem and you can delight somebody, that, and that's where user experience comes in, right? It's those delights, Once, if I ask you what your favorite application is, it's because you're going to tell me it does this and this and this, uh-huh. and it delighted in a way. It made it, me, it made it easier for me. And that's what makes Silicon Valley magical. Mm-hmm. along with having a lot of money there to fund these <laughs> ideas. But that's what can make Utah this magical place. And it doesn't have to be the same magic, and we don't have to compare ourselves to be better than anybody. And, but we have the perfect trifecta of good universities, mm-hmm. a good population, and a talent pool, and we're starting to get the money. Coming in to, to fund these things, so if you're, you're going to see these stories from Forbes saying that we're a, a big tech um, uh-huh. head, it's not it's not because we have large tech companies, it's because we have a lot of opportunity here.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, it, when you, when you talk about how uh, here in Utah, often we we have to decide we're the best at this that or hey, we're finally getting noticed. There's there, there's an inferiority complex. Yes, but you know what that, that we have. Let's not because, adver- let's
1: not advertise for the best anything because well no because I don't well, want all these people coming in <laughs> yeah but
0: and that's just the thing we have this weird inferiority complex that that's unnecessary um, I, and 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 again like I I live here by virtue of the fact that. There's things that I love about living here. Yeah, it's a great you know, place. Oh. I, I, love, I love the mountains, the fact that Mount Olympus broke my leg, notwithstanding. <laughs> uh, I love the proximity. Every time I drive down to my office, I drive down 90th South to my office, I look up at Broad's Fork Twin Peaks, and I'm like, and I and I live here. Right. I live here. And my neighborhood, and the people, and and regardless of the fact that I don't belong to the to the mainstream, you know, religion or the or the culture. The the thing that I've found, especially in doing the podcast and then with, with the people I've worked with, like Utah has this weird reputation of being very homogeneous. Mm-hmm. When the reality is, it's not. You just got to look closer.
1: Yep. And it gets a bad rap, right? Yeah. I mean, I had a you knew this because I contacted you about selling our house, mm-hmm. but we had the opportunity to move down in the Atlanta area because I had a great job offer. But we didn't leave. And the reason we didn't leave and came to it, there's a lot of great things here. And mm. honestly, we were really, really close. Um, I think it put a lot of stress on the family, unfortunately. But what I did learn in the process was there's a lot of things out here I didn't want to leave. E-
0: it, even though it's a black hole. It's a black hole. It's a fairly pleasant black
1: hole. <laughs> no, and it, it, uh-huh. it is. And, but we, I think what you have to understand here is that we've got a lot of great things here. And we don't have to shout to the world that we have a lot of great things here. Let's enjoy what we Let's have and not
0: quietly go about and not
1: worry that everybody else knows that we have something great, mm-hmm. right? And it's, I think it's part of the Utah culture of keeping up with Joneses, and mm-hmm. we ha- you have to um, be as good or better than so and so. I think it's part of that shines out trying to show why Utah is this great place, but it is a great place. Just. Enjoy it, and don't yeah. force everybody to understand script page. And if they don't uh, buy uh, buy into it, cool. But what I would say to outsiders coming in, it's easy because I've been I've been into this at this point, right? Where you want to be- you, and this is truly. Uh, Again, another place where you can comment and argue with me. But this is, uh, this is truly <laughs> Man, where... If I can get as many comments as you're hoping for, eh, I'll feel good about it. I-, I can just hear all these people I know in the back of my head, or maybe they're just the voices in my head. Uh, but there's a lot of people that think everybody's out for them here because they come in and, th- and there's a perception that they're, they are the outside group, which mm. technically they may be, right? Mm. But as I've learned, it really isn't there. The choir director, you and I have talked about the choir rising yeah. in, but um, and he just left and he's now teaching at a school up in um outside of Boise and very talented uh, person. But he was very he had a lot of um, long conversations and he was convinced he wouldn't be able to get another job outside of the Catholic community here because he wasn't LDS. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that saddened me not uh, for two reasons: one that people coming from outside even living here and enjoying it here feel like they can't stay here because they're not they're not welcomed yeah but it saddens me even more that we've set up that precedence that people feel that way because it's twofold right if there's two sides of the story and mm-hmm. everything but in when you swing the pendulum there's still some some truth there right mm-hmm. uh, of failing that way and, and maybe I know how to work system because I grew up in the system or maybe I'm part of the system mm-hmm. but that is one the, you should know how to work it I and I know how to work it but honestly I, all my best friends are LDS, or they've left the church, but they're still. I mean, a lot of my friends will joke that I am the pseudo Mormon. I don't. I may not be LDS, but I act mm-hmm. it as I hold a scotch in hand. <laughs> no, Sorry. but so let's let's finish up the Utah conversation, then we'll just drink
0: some more scotch. Tell me, you you talked about this a little bit before, and and I can I can play the editing game. A, I want you to go over this idea that like, here we are in Utah, and we have this thing called Silicon Slopes, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's a stupid name, but they, far be it for me. But, but it makes more sense because you mentioned earlier that everywhere you go, there's a silicon this or a silicon that. Talk, talk about that concept of there, there are these different communities that are adopting
1: the, the silicon name. Silicon means to, something. To mean something. The nomenclature today, it means innovation. Good use of nomenclature. Oh, is that like a big word? Can I get credit for that somewhere?
0: (laughs) You you, you do. Well, I have to tell you, at my office, they Uh give me shit all the time because they they say they got to break out their phones anytime I'm talking because I'll say something (laughs) like like nomenclature or like idiom even, like, you
1: know, or colloquialism. They give me shit for the word colloquialism. Well, you could actually, uh, actually, Silicon uh, could actually fall into the colloquialism aspect Mm -hmm. now too, right? Because Mm -hmm. what it is is a hardware town that's building i mean silicon valley was because you had hp you had atari you had um apple mm-hmm. right i mean these were they were building the future of computing they were changing the world when they were naming this but silicon valley was a valley of hardware but it's not about hardware anymore and we were joking about this the other day because uh, other cities, like you said, have adopted it, but none of us are actually creating silicon, except for maybe Portland and the Bay Area. Yeah,
0: uh, most of what what these places are doing are, are
1: software. It's uh, software, so SaaS. Yeah. But like you said, it, it is a colloquialism for innovation. Mm-hmm. H- So, everybody's just trying to hitch the ride. It's no different than us coming up with words called cloud computing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, or I remember someone sitting in an interview and someone said, Oh, cloud computing is just another name for the internet. I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. you don't know what it is, right? You don't know what cloud computing is, but th- that's the thing is w- words, and uh, that's a hard thing for me because I get I get hooked on words and what they actually mean. And when they're calling it the Silicon Slopes, I was like, "That's so stupid." Hey, yeah, we have, but we have um, Micron and Fla- uh, Flash being built here and mm-hmm. Fusion IO, and so there are hardware plays here with and Sandisk. But for the most part, it's software. And then you have Wisconsin, so uh foxconn if you're not familiar with foxconn Mm -hmm. foxconn well i
0: am but that's just because i used to build my own machines cool
1: so um foxconn is the main manufacturer for apple's iphone and Mm -hmm. they are going to open a plant in wisconsin so even just today the governor announced that they're going to be referring not just a certain area of wisconsin they've taken to a whole other extreme but they've gotten rid of the silicon they're going to be Wisconsin Valley or something like that, or I I have to look up. I'm probably um, butchering that, but um, but they renamed the area, the state, not just an area, right? (laughs) So so Silicon Slopes, for those aren't aware, Silicon Slopes really the area, uh, concentrated area is at the point of the mountain over by uh, Northern Utah County. and that's not to exclude companies like Avante, uh, formerly known as Landesk, or or any other of the big plays down south in the Provo area. It's just there's a concentrated there's a huge area.
0: concentration of tech companies right there at the right. just past the point of the mountain,
1: and it's going to keep growing because logistically it's easier for people to to get a talent from Pro all the way down the Provo up to Ogden to come. Well, there. and, and there's there's still land to build your your headquarters. You know, right?
0: You, you look at what Adobe's doing; they're they're expanding. Yep. here here shortly, because there's there's available space. So something that I keep telling people here in, in Salt Lake County, where where I live, is you know if you have to drive out to Bacchus Highway, it seems like an eternity. But I had a client uh, years ago. His name was Fred. He owned a little single propeller airplane, a mm-hmm. Beechcraft Bonanza. And he used to take me flying because his wife got sick of flying with him, and we became pretty <laughs> good friends. And we'd go flying, so we'd go up to Logan, or we'd go out to Wendover, and go to. They have a museum there with like replicas of the atomic bombs that they dropped on Japan, which is all at the same time sad and really interesting. But one one day we were just flying out over the west end of the valley. This was six seven years ago, at least. Empty, and there's not that much left. Mm-hmm. There's not much land and i keep telling people i said look in the next if you live in salt lake valley in oh, the next 10 years you'd best own something because once there's no more land and if you don't own anything you're hosed right you're done you're not going to be able to afford living in the salt lake valley if you don't own something in the next 10 years because once once the valley locks up and now we're in a hi- housing crisis uh huh well and, you know and like and so when you fly over that land, though, there's just not that much, and there's even less now. You know, and Rio Tinto owns most of what's, what's left
1: out so, there. So, so, you know, it's interesting. Maybe a little pretentious well, on my part. But, <laughs> but, oh, what's life without a little pretension? Yeah. Well, I was going to, and probably even arrogance at that point, I was going to point out, it's like, oh, you can thank the technology industry for that, right? Because we're bringing mm-hmm. everybody. But it's an interesting point about Utah is that anywhere you go, in technology because there's so much technology and so many different facets of it mm-hmm. and we forget because i was about to say oh yeah it's the technology we have all these different companies but there's other factors that play into it but we believe well every t- every
0: technology job brings with it other jobs though too it does like if you have a what we what we would call a high-paying job here which is very different than a high-paying job in la
1: uh, you know. actually you be- well,
0: well i'm just saying like when well, you're saying that they're not bringing two two 200 dollar a year jobs, but, you know, your, you your, uh, your not, mid, your mid hundreds kind of jobs, like a, a job that pays $150,000 a year, a, a, a tech job that pays, uh, you know, 150 a year, that's going to bring with it the necessity for a series of jobs to essentially, uh, God,
1: this is a terrible term to service. Yeah, no, it's those, true. those jobs. It's true. Oh, I, I I always tell my kids, get into software. mm mm-hmm. Because software in some way is always going to be here. It may not be what we know as today, but it will be here. Well, yeah, it's always going to change. Just like you said, when, we're when, I about channels, in, yeah. when I say get in software, that doesn't mean you have to be an engineer. It doesn't mean that you have to be a designer or a product manager or program manager. I can go list all the different roles, right? Mm-hmm. It could be a janitor. it can be an account. But software brings a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's another a- uh, another um, notch on the feather for Utah, right? because mm-hmm. l a is somewhere we can compare ourselves to because people at the same level make about the same amount of money. Someone making one hundred and fifty here at uh, a senior level to mm-hmm. two hundred thousand, whatever. That same salary is in LA. But in I'd, LA, I'd say I didn't, I didn't know that. See, yeah, but the in, cost of living in LA is insane. Well, in LA. So I have a, a, a member on my team, and we'll talk about how much people on my yeah, team Yeah, d- d- it doesn't matter. What would be considered a high paying job? Mm-hmm. He has a $700,000 um, mortgage. His $700,000 mortgage is for a three bedroom condo. Uh-huh. and um, he's come out here to work with me, and I joked, said, hey, you want to see what your $700,000 will get you here? <laughs> right? No, no, so, it, precisely. And is that enough to get him to move? No, because there's no. things that keep him in L.A. We really don't know what urban living in Utah means. No, 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 so, we don't. And he l- like, love I love urban living. Yeah, but th- I, I, th- I think of your house,
0: right? And I, and I know what you paid for your place. <laughs> and that same house in L.A., Oh, it's just insanity.
1: Yeah, we, we'd be looking at a million-dollar house yeah, probably. Yeah, at least one 1.2, yeah. and But but that's the thing. I mean, we do have extremely high salaries, and I hope that there aren't people here listening that want to say, oh, then we need to change that. But we make really good salaries. We have mm-hmm. a good thing going well, here. Well, we've got
0: a really excellent job market right For, now. If we're, and that's what's driving, technically, that's what's driving our housing crisis right now. Uh, our housing crisis feels so similar to 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, everybody feels that same way. Inventory low, buyers are highly competitive. But what really is happening in 2005, 2006 was artificially inflated. Right. You know, it was artificial, it was lending that shouldn't have been going on. Right now, what we have in Utah is such a strong job market, and the strong job market has driven the housing crisis because we don't have enough housing units for the people who are here and coming. Mhm. You know, especially over the next 5-8 years.
1: Yeah. It, I would push people to start looking at these um, tech companies. Look how you can contribute. Um, let's put Utah on the map um, and it doesn't have to be put on the map, map because we're yelling for, for yeah, people to come. Yeah, look, we are. Yeah. But let's put them on the map because we're driving and building a better place to live. Mm-hmm. And if we're, driving, if we're trying to create jobs that are better jobs for us intellectually and they're better jobs for us in the long run for family, because with the tech job doesn't just come a base salary. Mm-hmm. A lot of these tech places come with large bonuses and full, I'm, I'm used to it now, but I look outside of the tech industry and realize, oh, wow, you have to pay that for insurance, <laughs> right? Or, oh, wait, your company doesn't cover that? Wait, what do you mean you can't go out to lunch and just put it on your corporate card and expense it? Or it's a different world. Yeah. It's honestly, if, you, if anybody wants to know what it's like to be inside of the tech industry today, go watch Mad Men.
0: Really? So you, you're that you're essentially and, mad, the tech industry
1: of yeah, today is the and, Mad Men of the. And unfortunately. It's probably every aspect of it, because as you see the problems uh, with um, gender inequality throughout mm-hmm. the industry. Look what Uber is going through right now. Look what happened with uh, Reddit, right? Hey, there's mm-hmm. a lot of that bro-grammar type of mentality um, that <laughs> exists. That's very much what Mad Men was, right? Uh. The chauvinistic. And it's a lot of what um, the tech industry is today. So you want to know what it's like? Just change names and what they're doing and a lot of that is what we're doing today we'll see how long that sustains well as with any industry i'm, I'm assuming it'll change but
0: now you're making me want to just jump out of real estate and get into tech but um actually some of the highest paid people i know in tech are real estate agents well you need you need to get me on i mean i'll still do this stuff <laughs> I'll, I'll do real estate as long as it's a viable situation but Thanks for coming on. Let's we can tie it up. I really liked how you how you tied that whole situation up in terms of getting people to look into tech, both for the positive and that it's kind of a weird rogues gallery of
1: yeah, it's a it's a uh,
0: economy right now.
1: It is, and it's a different it's a different world and. Uh, we we think that we're the majority, and we probably aren't. And yeah, but you exist, you don't. exist inside your
0: world. it's, yeah. like, it's the same. Th- it's the same thing as in my industry. When you get a bunch of real estate agents together, everybody. they think they think everybody thinks about all the stuff that they do, and that's kind of the point. Like I, I do my newsletter and I do the podcast. I can't believe someone I, didn't think about that. Right, and and I well, and it's like when I was trying to conceptualize what I was going to do, it was more about like nobody wants to hear nobody that I want to reach. Wants to hear me talk about real estate all the time, mm-hmm. and nobody that I want to reach is going to read my newsletter if it talks about real estate all the time because nobody's as interested in that as I am. I think any industry suffers from the same thing. Thanks for coming over, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, Ke- thank you. Ke- Kevin was kind enough. Thanks to come, for the scotch and come <laughs> Was kind enough to come to, to my home because I'm still all gimped up, but. Uh. And that was the interview. I did do that interview probably two months ago, so I was still in a chair and not able to really put any weight on my leg, hence some of the banter there at the end. This this thing of going to every other week has been hard for me, and I really want to get back to an every week schedule, and I'll talk about what's going on next time, because this episode was already really long. But there's a reason I had to go to every other week. But I want to get back to every week because I like doing this. So if you do want to be on the podcast or if you know somebody who you think would like to come be on, uh, have them get in touch with me or you can get in touch with me at findinghomepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also find all the back episodes and everything. Also, you can contact me at findinghomepodcast.com. In addition to anything podcast-related, if you just want to talk to me about anything else uh, real estate-related, if you have a question about something like that, you can just find me that way. We will be back in a couple of weeks. I'll probably just do a Christmas episode or some sort of thing. But until next week, guys, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And
1: I am out.